The following podcast is a Dear Media production. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha! We started in a garage, so we had no idea. We weren't brewers, and we didn't. We had very little money. We put together what we had. We had a little bit of friends and family money, but I mean, we, we literally started brewing in a garage without a product and without a, without a brewer. So that was the first challenge. Like We had this idea. We thought it was scalable, but like, how do we make this? I think we just had such conviction in the idea that people want products that are transparent, that are better for them, that are sustainable, and that are delicious and that no one was really pushing that in alcohol. And we could do that. We could put our ingredients on the can, not be embarrassed about what's there. We could put our nutrition label on the can, not be embarrassed about that, and sell a delicious beverage. Welcome back to the Skinny Confidential Him and Her Show. That clip was brought to you by a duo of two founders, the founders behind the wildly popular brand Juneshine, Greg Sereo and Forrest Dean. And on this episode, we're talking about how to bootstrap a brand from the ground up to create a global presence, national presence, massive business. And I love conversations like this. You know why I like this episode? Because I feel like it inspires anyone that they can start right where they are. And with patience, determination, execution, strategy, they can build a massive brand like June Shine. Yeah. One thing that's extremely important to Lauren and I is that as we continue to bring on high performers on this show, that we don't overwhelm people and that we continue to inspire people to realize that anything is possible if you put your blood, sweat, and tears out there, if you make sacrifices, if you put your nose to the grindstone and get to work. you know. And if you've learned anything from listening to these episodes over the course of these years, it's that you don't always have to have it all figured out or have all the pieces in place to get something off the ground and make it extremely successful. Many of the people we interview, many of the founders, many of the operators, many of the creators started with basically nothing and built their businesses from the ground up day after day, week after week, month after month to these massive brands that they are now. Um, And so I just want to point out to everybody that's listening, there are gems in these episodes. There are gems from people that come on these shows to point out that no matter where you're starting out, you can figure out a way to make something happen. If you're going to start with a June shine, and I think I say this in this episode, but I think it's important to say here, I would start with the blood orange mint. It is so good, you guys. I'm obsessed with it. It's so cute. Like the branding is so adorable, but it tastes delicious. Full disclaimer, during this episode, we were having so many of these that I might have started getting a little buzz during it. These things, they they pack a punch. People hear hard kombucha and they think, oh, okay, it's not good. Be careful. These things pack a punch. Weston the other day was like telling me how he got buzzed off off one. It's yeah, they're... 6% alcohol. Well, you don't feel as guilty getting buzzed off these for some reason. But no, I mean, I I too, I think during the episode, we say that we did a taste test at the end and I think Blood Orange won. We didn't do a taste test at the end, honey. It was throughout the whole episode. Well, no, I know we were doing it at the, throughout <laughs> the episode, but then I think at the end, we did an official taste test. Also, did we do that on air, off air? See, that was a little hazy, guys. Yeah, I, I did ask Craig and Forrest if they're single because they're kind of catches. And they're not, they're yeah, not they're, single. Well, you know, and apologies. I mean, listen, we've never met their significant other, so I hope we don't get shit from them. Like, you know, if we would have met them, we would never ask if they're single. But no. listen, you know, we gotta, we're trying to get to know these people. I appreciate both of them and their story about how they started brewing hard kombucha in June 2018 out of their garage in San Diego. Today, their organic 6.0% kombucha has six flavors. Blood orange mint, my favorite. Honey ginger lemon. Oh my God. 
Midnight Painkiller, Acai Berry, Rosé, and last and the latest, Hopical Citrus. The branding is cute. They sell in California, Oregon, Seattle, Austin, New York City, Hawaii, and Chicago. Next up is Boston, Phoenix, and Las Vegas. The duo closed a $5 million seed round. They are making moves and they are here to tell you how they bootstrapped this company. With that, let's welcome Greg and Forrest to the Skinny Confidential, him and her show. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. It's Monday. It's one o'clock. We're drinking alcohol. <laughs> I said I was taking a break, but here we are. <laughs> but you said we can drink alcohol because this is not actually cheating, right? It's about as better for you as alcohol gets. Oh, it's it's not bad. So you can yeah. still be on a diet yeah. and yeah. drink this. Yeah. Because it's only 100 calories, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One gram of sugar. I'm having the grapefruit Paloma, double fisting it with the strawberry watermelon, which is 100 <laughs> calories a can. I got the blood orange mint and then I got two um, blueberry lemonade, strawberry water. I'm going to have, let's see how many of these I get through this, this, this time. I just went to a bachelorette party this weekend and all the girls, we were all in bikinis and we were all drinking June shine and we were all going for the blood orange mint, which is really good in a wine glass with ice and a sprig of mint. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's how it was originally supposed to be consumed. (laughs) Okay. So I would love to get some background on you guys, some story, how you guys met, how you guys started this idea. So if you could take us way back to the beginning. I love having alcohol founders on because technically I can say we have to, I have to do this for work. I have to, I have to drink. It's one of, I have to drink right now because it's for work. You have to test the product. Yeah. 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 I actually grew up in Maui, Hawaii, moved there when I was six years old from upstate New York and went to college at the University of San Diego and met Greg my freshman year of college. I think he was skateboarding by my dorm room. And at the University of San Diego, if you had a car as a freshman, you were kind of like in this cool kid class. And luckily I had a car, so Greg needed a ride at the beach. So I think he at first was using me for my car and then slowly we became actual friends. And yeah, that's how we met. It was 2010. University of San Diego at business school. Are you guys both entrepreneurs entrepreneurs at this point? No, no. no, no, no. We're but we're yeah. like useless 18 year olds <laughs> in college, <laughs> you know. What are you guys yeah. doing for work? Are you just like are you uh, nothing? Are you well, I mean, in school? Just like summer jobs, whatever you can do. Yeah, I taught and surf then, lessons. Yeah. You taught surf lessons. Surf, yeah. Yeah, probably just teach surf lessons. Is yeah. the <laughs> kind of go to. Both of our dads are entrepreneurs, though, so we always had it. Yeah. I think at least for me in the back of my head, like I definitely wanted to start something, but didn't have any good ideas. Yeah. So at what point do you guys decide this idea and really talk, like tell us the real story? Don't, yeah, yeah. don't give us like the, the fake P- you don't glossy want the PG, story. Yeah. No, Sorry, no, no. I want the rated RX. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I think There's first was like all the ideas we didn't start in college. Yeah. We had a bunch of bad ideas. Yeah. I, I actually used to, <laughs> because I had this car, I would drive kids from campus to like the, all the older kids lived off campus and they would party off campus and the freshman kids needed a ride. So this is before Uber. So I kind of feel like I, but before Uber almost started Uber, but then didn't. And I feel like I probably should have, but. That's a ridiculous claim. That's a ridiculous claim. Michael claims stuff like that. Michael's like, I I thought of that first. I almost came up with Uber, yep. (laughs) Yeah. Genius. I'll throw that out there. Yeah. Um, We had a t-shirt idea. We had a couple other ideas. And we we both in college studied business and had the same. No, no, I studied Political science, actually. Poli sci. Still doesn't teach a little you bit of to do much except you want to go, like, go to law school <laughs> or be a philosopher. But yeah, we, I mean, we we were really close in college and we had a lot of business ideas. Mo- most of them were pretty bad. And when we went to graduate, I think there was this like pull to try to start something. And I think we realized that 
and I could I still feel this way that we didn't really know anything like we just graduated school and you have bills to pay and what did you learn and what skill set and so we actually ended up going our separate ways so the idea for June Shine was I think three years post post graduating but so are you guys sitting there drinking kombucha and I'm probably pronouncing it wrong people get mad at me (laughs) and you think okay we need to do this boozy how does this idea come about and also it's so aesthetically pleasing yeah. Yeah. So th- there's, I think there's three years in between are important. When we graduated, yeah. I actually got into content creation. My older brother was a, pro- a professional photographer and was going to Iceland. And I jumped on a plane with him to Iceland just to be his, his assistant for two weeks, fell in love with content, started filming short films and, and creating video content. I grew up with a couple of pro surfers from Hawaii. And uh, so I spent, I spent two years traveling around the world shooting professional surfers, mountain bikers. I did a hip hop tour into in 30 states. In 12 countries in Europe and just like perfecting the art of content creation while Greg was working on Wall Street doing something very different. Way <laughs> less sexy job. That doesn't so- seem to me within seconds of meeting you, your energy, Wall Street. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not in the nicest way, too. <laughs> no, I, and I really appreciate that. That's like a very nice thing to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wouldn't want you to say the opposite. I think I would say like one of us had to learn the boring shit. And uh, I went to do that. And I was living in Manhattan and uh, Forrest, I would see him once in a blue moon because he's like traveling all over the world. And whenever I'd see him, I'd be doing the same shit. Excuse me. And he would come and be like, yeah, I just got back from Fiji. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or, you know, filming such and such for a surfer. I just got back from Europe on this music tour. It's like, wow, you really should have gone your route, you know? (laughs) But, yeah, but I would see his paychecks and I was like, oh, okay, he's doing something right over there. Yeah, that's, but that's true. At the University of San Diego, the original Ballast Point tasting room, have you guys heard of Ballast we, Point? I mean, we both grew up in San Diego and I was going to yeah. mention, like, there's so many, I mean, obviously we've had Josh Landon and we're yeah. partnered in his business, Ashland yeah. here. Yeah. You know, yeah. I went to college with a guy named Doug, who, Constantino, who started yeah. society. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah. I feel like whatever's going on down there in San Diego, and I don't know how this went over my head. There's like obviously a group of individuals down there that's yeah. really doing well when it comes to yeah. doing cocktails, beverages, right? Yeah. And yeah. this is definitely diverting for a sec, but like we owe a ton to San Diego. I mean, we have a long way to go, but to get to where we were, a lot of that has to do with San Diego is by far the best place to incubate alcohol business. Like you can argue every industry is like, you want to do high finance, you have New York, you want to do tech, you have Silicon Valley, or maybe Austin will be taking that we'll over. See. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But you get my point. I think for for alcohol, San Diego, it's just like incredible how many talented people there are in that industry, brewers, sales folks, marketing, distributors. You know. Yeah. And we fell in love with craft beer in college. The, yeah. the tasting room was across the, sh- across the street from campus. So we would literally- Ballast was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the original Ballast Point Home Brew Mart. So you could like buy brewing equipment. They had 20 flavors on draft and it was a dollar for a three ounce taster. So you could go and have nine tasters that were like 12% IPAs and go back to class and you're like a little buzz. Yeah. But that's where we got a kind of like our homebrew education. I, I didn't even know what craft beer was growing up in Hawaii. And that kind of turned us on. But we also were, I was the captain of the surf team at USD. Greg was on the surf team and we'd go have, you know, a bunch of IPAs and wake up at six for a surf contest feeling like shit. And that wasn't sustainable. So that kind of turned, like, we, we, we asked this question, why do we, like, do you have to continue to drink this way? Or like, could there be a better way to do it? And I think we had that in the back of our heads for a few years. And then. And I think like, so for Forrest and I, one of the things we were originally connected over was the outdoors and 
it started like be that like surfing, snowboarding, fishing, like any like thing to do with being outside. And I think that that started to inspire a lot of the way that we looked at like what we were putting like in or on our bodies. And we started getting really interested in what I would say is like the better versions of products to kind of replace like yesterday's version. So, you know, you've had like a lot of these, you, you export a lot of these products, which I think is awesome. Like thinking about products that are transparent and sustainable, but are everyday products. And what we realized, and we had, we kept like sharing, we'd find new products. Hey, like, wow, this deodorant is, is made naturally and doesn't have aluminum in it. And like, we would talk, even though we weren't living together anymore, we were comparing all these products. And as time went on, there's kind of been this proliferation of sustainable, transparent brands in almost every category, but alcohol. And it was like, wait, why isn't an alcohol going to come out and just put the ingredients on the label and tell you why they're making it in a better way? And why do we know so much about the foods that we eat and the clothes that we wear, but we know literally nothing about the alcohol we put in our body. If you go into any grocery store, even a Whole Foods, like mo most of the alcohol there, they, they're not legally required to disclose what the ingredients are. It's just not. What yeah. are some nasty fucking shitty ingredients in alcohol? Oh, like name I, a couple so yeah, we can yeah. educate ourselves. Yeah. So <laughs> we were actually just up in Napa exploring the wine industry and learned about this thing called mega purple. But essentially <laughs> that's, so what makes your teeth red when you drink red wine that people say it's, oh, it's the, it's the grapes, but no, it's this mega purple, which is like a gnarly food coloring additive that they make wine look like red wine. But really sometimes it's even just like, for like sugar water alcohol that they dye red with mega purple and then add grapes to. So yeah, that's one example, but there's a bunch. Yeah, corn syrup. Yeah. Uh, just like that stuff doesn't, it's hard to Even know, in process. beer, when you're brewing beer at a huge scale, they'll use these different kind of additives to make it brew faster, to settle faster. There's obviously there's good organic beers out there, but there's a ton of different stuff. Someone yeah. was telling me that they add to certain wines, 40 to 60 grams of sugar a bottle. Yeah, yeah. I switched to dry farm wines. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. are awesome. They were great. Yeah, yeah. I would like to know when you guys are doing all these this uh, this deep dive into the product. Is this while you're on Wall Street or is this while you're at school? No, no, not while we're at school. So, so the idea or on, like originally was okay. Let's make the better for you, better for planet alcohol. Like let's do that. And and remember, this was like three and a half years ago. We started this idea. And at that time, like there, you know, seltzer wasn't really even a big category. So it was really just like your beer, your wine, your mm -hmm. spirits, like you're drinking the same thing, so redundant. And so it wasn't so much like we love kombucha so much that we need to drink it 24 seven. But what we realized was like, this is the best product to launch this new category with because of how many like positive attributes kombucha gives you naturally. And so at that point I had moved on to actually join a, a small, really quickly growing business. And I was in Boston and I had a few friends who knew how to homebrew on the Cape, which is where my family lives. So I, I bought like a home brewing kit and tried to learn how to brew. And we brewed. And was it kombucha first, or was it was it beer? <laughs> we it was like uh, we we did a bunch of things, but we 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 tried a beer, we tried a wine, but we tried brewing hard kombucha. And the first one we we brewed was like really good. And so naturally, I'm like, well, I can do, got it. I can do this. <laughs> and the second <laughs> one I did was so bad. <laughs> and when he says we, it was him and his friends on the coast. I was in Hawaii still shooting and ordered a homebrew kit online and was so overwhelmed by the box. I didn't open the box and I was like, okay, I'm a marketing guy. I can tell stories, create content. Yeah. But I was going to leave the, the brewing to the experts. So. Which is not me. We have the best brew team in San Diego. That was like one of the first 
lessons yeah. learned. But is this was 2018, yeah. January. Greg was still in Wall Street. I was still in Hawaii. We were talking about this idea. We actually <laughs> flew to San Diego to try all the products that were on the market. So we tried every hard kombucha that was out there. There's only two at the time. We drank a bunch of seltzer, craft beer, and just we, we really wanted to test it and see, see what it was like in person. And that really gave us the confidence to quit what we were doing and move back to San Diego full time, which yeah. was about February of, of 2018. So Greg left a lot of stuff on the table to, to move out there. I didn't have much. I, I want you guys to talk about that a little because yeah. yeah, listen, we did some deep diving on you and you yeah. guys were young when you started, I was about 25, 24, yeah. 25. Could not be more excited than to tell you about Ritual's new launch. The multivitamin company you know and trust has launched protein powders. Now, I got to be honest, I'm a picky bitch when it comes to protein powder. Like I have turned down collaborations that have protein powders that are filled with shit. But this one is legit. I have been eating it. I've been enjoying it in smoothies. It's delicious. It's plant-based. There's no soy in it. And it's made with all the same high standards that the ritual vitamins are made with. This is insane if you're like me and like to do a workout. So what I do with this protein powder is I'll do two scoops with unsweetened almond milk, some cinnamon, some cacao, and then I'll add a half of a banana. And it is like a fucking milkshake. I'm telling you, you are going to love it. It's essential protein by Ritual. Here's what I like about Ritual. You know what you're putting in your body. They give you a visible supply chain, which is so refreshing. Like how refreshing is that? They also are built on a very thoughtful purpose-built formulation. So it's clean plant-based. Like I said, you get all the nutrients you can even take it if you're pregnant or postpartum. It's 20 grams of pea protein plus a complete amino acid profile. Amino acids are so underrated. I feel like they need better PR. And this protein has lots of them in it, which we love. The protein also isn't chalky. It's like a vanilla flavor. So delicious. There's no added sugar or sugar alcohols. Soy-free, gluten-free, formulated with non-GMO ingredients. So you want to shake up your ritual? To make trying something new a little less scary, Ritual offers a money-back guarantee if you're not 100% in love with this product, which you will be. All Skinny Confidential, him and her listeners get 10% off your first three months. Just visit ritual.com slash skinny and you're going to add essential protein to your routine today. That's ritual.com slash skinny. That's a young age to do. It's also a young age to say, fuck it, I'm going to quit, you know, a cushy, high paying job and maybe a life that maybe not as high paying, but you were comfortable, right? Yeah. And I think what we talk about a lot on this show is kind of getting people to question the status quo a bit, getting them to question like the, the path they've set out for themselves and say like, hey, is there a better way to do it? And I personally believe that when you're that age is a much better time. I think people think like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get a nest egg and then I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. But if you take my personal situation now, personally, mm-hmm. You know, I've done a lot of wild shit in my life, but now I have to be a little bit more thoughtful because I got a wife, I got a kid. It's not to say I still, I mean, I'm still pretty wild. I'll still do shit. But <laughs> when I was young, I really didn't, like, if I fucked up, I didn't have to worry. Like, I was like, it's just yeah. me, right? And I, so I encourage young people to kind of like break out of the mold a little bit and take chances when they're going to, maybe you guys could speak to it a little bit. Because it's a, it's a it's a daunting thing for a lot of young people to think about doing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah 100%. Ahead, yeah. I, I would say, I think, I've, I think we really both owe it to our, our dads growing up seeing, I think if you see someone in your family, like your father, who is a successful entrepreneur multiple times over, I think that 
really, I was raised like you can do, like you can choose to do anything. You can be anything. Obviously everyone grows up in different circumstances, but I think that's so important that either education or your parents raise you that way. So I think I, I was always encouraged to take risks and to try different things. So I think that's really what gave me the confidence to do it. But I, again, I had a lot less to, to leave on the table. I was rich in lifestyle, but not in terms of money, but yeah. Greg had a different kind of set of criteria. I think. Yeah. Yeah. My old man's an entrepreneur too. He's a maniac. And I think that one of the things I learned from him is like, if you, if you do anything, you go in head first and you know what, actually, that's not a good lesson for a lot of things in life. It's gotten <laughs> me into trouble, but like in terms of starting something, I, I was a big believer that we, we didn't spend much time thinking about, like, I would say we spent a couple months talking about it, doing a little, a little bit of homework, right? Like the bare minimum. But we had such, I think we just had such conviction in the idea that people want products that are transparent, that are better for them, that are sustainable and that are delicious and that no one was really pushing that in alcohol. And we could do that. We could put our ingredients on the can, not be embarrassed about what's there. We could put our nutrition label on the can, not be embarrassed about that mm. and sell a delicious beverage that people could have a few of and wake that up and feel good. <laughs> that also yeah. looks cute yeah. on my Instagram story. That also looks cute on your Instagram yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. I think, the, I think the, the takeaway there is like, if you read between the lines, it was also like a full <clears throat> commit. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. Oh, I think a lot of people are like, oh, I might try or I'll do this no. kind of thing. Yeah. And they get the side hustle confused. Yeah, with like, I hate that. We went like, yeah. A lot of this stuff that we hear is a, was started as a side hustle, but it was we protected our revenue and stuff mm -hmm. on one side. But there was a full commit. It wasn't like yeah. I'm going to try this and see if it works out. It was like I'm doing this on the side, but it's a full commit. It's like if I'm not going to give up or or, or quit when it yeah. gets tough. Yeah. And I think I, a lot of people don't think about it that way. Yeah, I 100 percent agree with that. We we have a lot of friends who are half in different side businesses, and very few of them ever make it because it takes 100 percent commitment every single day even to even get past the starting point. Yeah. What you guys said that I think is so smart too is is you said when you went into it, you knew you were building brand and that takes yeah. time. It's not like overnight success. Yeah, exactly. Can you talk you about to... some of the struggles that you guys endured in the beginning? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we, we started in a garage, so we had no idea. We weren't brewers and we didn't, we had very little money. We put together what we had. Yeah. We had a little bit of friends and family money, but I mean, we, we literally started brewing in a garage without a product and without a, without a brewer. So that was the first challenge. Like we had this idea, we thought it was scalable, but like, how do we make this? Yeah. So just, just even finding someone to make the product in the beginning was, was a huge challenge. And then I think going from there, renting the first brewery, we went from garage to micro brew, brew pub in San Diego. And that was like, we had to personally guarantee this brew pub. And it was like, you will pay rent for five years. And we, you know, we barely had any money in the bank. It was like, okay, yes, yeah, sign this, sign that. So I think that kind of goes back to the commitment. It was like, we're going to do this. We're going to make it work 100% and like put everything on the line. Like we would be still liable for that rent today if it did, if it hadn't been successful. So we still are liable. <laughs> I have a confession. Yeah. yeah. I have a live Scooby. <laughs> Scooby. <laughs> How do you say it? Scooby? Yes. In my house that's a living organism <laughs> that Michael thinks I'm nuts about well, like because I, I don't know what the fuck it is it's in this corner it's floating of around yeah. it looks like uh, like discharge or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. i don't even know how to explain it yeah. do you guys start the brewing process with how do you scoby scoby is yeah, that a, how you start it yeah so it's a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast is, and that's uh, alive right yes mm -hmm. exactly so it's, a, it's a living organism that goes through generations <laughs> and people are very mysterious and secretive about their scobies there's this whole like scoby culture in, yeah. in, in, in the brewing industry which is kind of awesome it's the more mystical part of kombucha we don't often get to talk about but 
I think it's what makes it really unique compared to a seltzer or beer because it is this live organism. No two scobies are the same. Our scoby is totally different than our competitors and the way you treat it and grow it over time definitely makes a product different. Um, wait, wait, scoby, wait. So do you have the same SCOBY that you had when you started? <laughs> I don't no, understand not, that. Not, not in the way that you're thinking where like we've never cleaned our tanks, <laughs> but like the actual chemist, like the actual bacteria and yeast is like re, is reproduced continually. If that yeah, makes it started sense. from the garage. It's still the same original bacteria evolved over many <laughs> generations. So, so is it big or is it small or is it just like mine at my house? <laughs> It's, it's proportionate. It's, it's not, it, I hope that based on what you're telling me, what yours looks like at your house, I do not think that ours looks like this that. Is the start of I'm going to send you a picture. I'm going to send you a picture. You should send me a picture. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll give you some tips or, yeah, I don't know. I don't a think ours looks the same. No. Okay. It's probably, it's probably this, this sounds like yeah. how like a science fiction movie starts out. Yeah. It's like a, this thing grew and it was in a garage. And yeah. Then it got bigger no. and it's like the strain or something. Well, I do think there is a little bit of like, sometimes confusion about like so when i told i was fishing with my old man when i told him i'm like hey i'm gonna go start this company our kombucha company and he's from massachusetts he's like what the fuck is our kombucha yeah he's like is that that stuff with the floaty shits in it you know what though anyone anytime someone who's really successful <clears throat> says what the fuck is that you're on to yes, something yes. i was told so many times when i first started blogging what the fuck you're not going to make any money mm -hmm. no one's no one's going to pay any money well, well you proved them wrong i was like yeah. you don't understand i'm building a brand yeah and i think that when your dad said that to me, that's like a green light. Let's go. Because yeah, if he yeah. was, if he was like, oh yeah, you're going to make so much money. Everyone else is doing it. It's a funny yeah, thing no to doubt. think about I, some I like hard ass Boston dudes. who are yeah. just thinking like, what the fuck is a camera? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we have all these people saying, Hey, you guys should make a hard seltzer. Hard. My dad sends me like the seltzer headlines all the time. I'm like, dad, there's 400 hard seltzers on the market. Yeah. It's like, you, you, you want to be the person exactly what you said. People being like, what, what is that right before it becomes something important? I think a lot of people put products. I think what you said is important about the lifestyle side. We see so many brands that go into Erwan with a really cool story and product, but they just put it on the shelf and think that the job is done. And like you have to build yep. the lifestyle and the brand that you built around what you do. So that's where a lot, a lot you have to have a, having a great product is just like the table stakes. That's like your ticket to the game. And then you have to build the brand and the lifestyle. And that's what I think we've done differently. There's yep. amazing hard kombuchas out there. They just don't have the brand or the storytelling side of it, which I think sets us apart. Yeah, I also think too, and what you guys have done so well is you're right, it's not just putting the product on on the shelves, it's also going back to your Instagram and telling the story and showing the story and showing the content creation and dis distri distributing the content on social as well as having it on the mm -hmm. shelf. There's so many brands that just like, I noticed that they do this thing where they'll do an editorial shoot and they'll get all the photos and then for the next eight months, they're posting pictures from yeah. the shoot. And it's yeah. like, no, you're not integrating it into a yeah. daily story. Mm -hmm. Like you need people yeah. integrating it into their handbag and at mm -hmm. the bachelorette party and at the podcast, like it needs mm -hmm. to be integrated. Mm -hmm. And I find that really interesting how brands just think they can do one photo shoot and then post editorial content yeah. for eight months. Well, the, it's such yeah. a miss. The bigger thing yeah. is, is that mm -hmm. most people that come and, you know, work in companies or work on companies is they put like 90% of their thought process into marketing and sales, right? But if you put that same thought process into building a great brand, like mm -hmm. you have to do much less of marketing and sales because like 
one, if it's a strong brand, your inbound cycle is going to be much stronger. And two, yeah. if you have a strong brand, it's going to be much easier to sell because the people that are attached to it are going to do the selling for you. And I think it's so counterintuitive to think about that. But mm-hmm. like, even if, if you think about, like, I'll give you my own personal example, like with Dear Media, like we've spent $0 on paper. I actually don't even have a marketing department yet. Right. Yeah, but it, wow. and, and it's because like, I think you build a brand in the community and I, and I wish more people would put thought like you guys have into this because we all know those people. They always seem to be like jumping on to the next, like, and they make money, right? Mm-hmm. But they like they're in that next trend. Mm-hmm. Like one day they're doing this, and they're in crypto. Then they're like they're they're always on the <laughs> thing that's popular, but they never quite build yeah. the brand. And you're like, what? It's just it's a very stressful way to live. You're just jumping from one thing to the next. It's like yeah. one mm-hmm. bandwagon to the next. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. that goes back to when we started. We wanted to build something that was going to last and also have a positive impact. We were both. I was at a place, I think there's, the world doesn't need any more just products. There's so much stuff. If we're going to yes. create just more stuff without purpose, I think it's wasteful. So that was always ingrained mm-hmm. as well. was like, our purpose is to brew honest alcohol for a healthier planet. And the healthier planet side is just as important, is just as, important as the honest alcohol side. And I think that stands out as well. I think like you... There's just, there's so much stuff out there and it's like, well, we don't really need a lot of it. I think it'd be an easy move for you guys to go into a seltzer, but I feel like it would be so counter to the brand and the culture yeah. and the mission that you're on, right? No, you like guys are be, doing the one thing. It would, it would be, str- and I think yeah. so many people feel the pressure to like jump when another category pops, but like that would fully take you out of what you're doing because you probably couldn't do the same type of labels and the same yeah. type of transparency and the same type of ingredients, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. two different things, yeah. You know what one of my favorite deliveries is, Michael Bostick? I think I have a good idea. It's ocean salmon. And I am telling you, it is the perfect dinner. All you have to do is open your door and outside will be this delicious situation of salmon that's packed with omega-3s, okay? So this salmon is very detailed, which we love. It's free of microplastics, no growth hormones, and heavy metals. So many salmons are filled with shit, by the way which is so gross. And with ocean salmon, you know exactly what you're getting. It's ocean raised salmon, which has 1500 milligrams of omega-3 content, which is double the omega-3 content versus most wild salmons. You should also know their premium Atlantic salmon is raised in open nets in the fresh waters of Chile. My favorite one is the one night stand. I've talked about this a lot. So you're going to get this kit. It's shipped fresh. It's never frozen. It's skin on fresh portions. You get an eight ounce portion duo, which I love because sometimes I'll cook the whole eight ounces and I'll save half for the next day and eat my other piece for dinner. And how I like to enjoy it is a little lemon, a little chili flake, a little rosemary. It's so good, you guys. And then if you want, you can put sriracha on top. It's absolutely like hitting the spot. It's $45 for Miami customers and $75 for national. You want to check out the one night stand. It's so cute. The brand is like something you'd want on your Instagram, which I think is so smart. It's a great source of protein. Ocean salmon arrives seven days fresher than anything you can find at your local retailer. To get your box of ocean, visit oceansalmon.com and use code skinny for 15% off plus free shipping. That's O-S-H-E-N-S-A-L-M-O-N.com. And you're going to use code skinny. Ocean raised, ocean loved, salmon as it should be. What I respect so much about what you guys have done is you've essentially created a category, which is why I think it's so genius. And Mm -hmm. I think you're going to sell for a huge amount of money, (laughs) but you have created a category, which is so cool. But why I love this brand is I heard about it through word of mouth. Mm -hmm. My Mm sister-in-law, Jordan, 
came to me and she's trying to lose weight. And she said, I don't know if now she is, but she was after pregnancy. And she said, oh my God, I'm obsessed with June shine. You have to try it. It's so good. And she like sold it to me. How have you guys used the community? And I don't mean use in a bad way. I just mean mm -hmm. like, like supported the community to talk about you guys in such a yeah. positive way. Yeah. I think it really started in a very small way in North Park in San Diego with a, with, a, with the original the brew pub. There is a tasting room attached to the brewery and we would have never, when we started, we didn't think we'd get into the hospitality business. It was always a brewery and sell to wholesale. And we had to open up this tasting room to pay for the rent for the brewery. So we got forced into the hospitality industry. We ended up making this, what I think is a pretty cool and unique tasting room in San Diego. Every brewery and tasting room, kind of it was like the guys would go out and everyone has big beards. And it was like the craft beer culture of San Diego. And there's there's nothing that was like had great interior design and good music and that smelled good and looked good. And was a place you actually wanted to hang out if you weren't a craft beer nerd. So I think we solved that issue in San Diego when we started. And we just really, we made it a community, a community gathering place. So we reached out to every local group and every local crafts maker and um, yoga person or not really influencers, but more like athletes, artists, and creatives and integrated into the community and made it a, a, a gathering place. And I think that just grew from North Park. And now we're doing that in 30 states, but we kept that same mentality of like, let's give back to the community, create value for North Park. They embrace this. And then everyone just started talking about it. I was like, hey, like if you're doing a bachelorette party or if you're doing a, if you're going to do a sip and shop for your, your new clothing line, you wanted to do it at June Shine because they knew there was going to be a really cool group of people there and everyone supported each other. So we've kept that same mentality as we've grown. And we also have kind of similar to Ashland. We have a, a co-owner ambassador group of athletes, artists, and creatives, um, people I used to work with. And now we've branched out. Um, we've got some cool new ones. Whitney Cummings just, just, just came on. And so we work with them. They actually invest in the brand. They own a small piece. And instead of just being like a pay to post, they're true co-owners the yeah. and shareholders yeah. in the brand. And I think that helped us as well, especially in, we haven't just gone for like the super influencers, it's more like the Whitney Cummings of the world that are either comedians or, or artists or, or athletes. I think those two things have, have really helped us. Let, let's talk about some of the stuff that some people may find more boring, but I think it's, it's important because you guys have built, obviously, a very formidable business here. When you're 25, 24, mm -hmm. 26 years old and you're building this, obviously funding comes into play because mm -hmm. so, getting something like this off the ground is not easy and it's not cheap, I know. How did you guys approach that in the beginning? Because I think a lot of people, they go, oh, I have this great idea. And as soon as the money conversation starts, they're like, they're defeated there. I don't have mm -hmm, money. I mm -hmm. don't have friends. I don't have family. Like, mm -hmm. I don't have a big investor. Like, how did you guys approach that piece of this puzzle? Yeah. So I asked my dad, but he said no. So then I was like, okay, we have to, <laughs> to go. He, he laughed and it's like, hardly same thing that, that his dad said. So, um, yeah, that's no, I was, I was too stubborn to take my old man's money in yeah. I think like when you're starting, I don't know if you guys feel like this, you guys obviously are very entrepreneurial too. I feel like the first few months of starting something, being naive and ignorant is a strength mm -hmm. because you, if you knew everything you were up against, it would overwhelm you and you wouldn't start. And that would be a mistake in the long run. But like after the first few months, you have to like stop being ignorant, and naive. And so one of the things that we started doing early on, and part of this is just like, we're just fortunate that some people believed in us. So we started recruiting non-board advisors and they started helping us think through some of those harder questions so that when it came time to, hey, we actually have to raise money. It wasn't the first time we talked about it. It wasn't this big, scary thing. And we already had some folks who were pretty influential that were behind it, both from like an advocacy and also from a capital perspective. But we had to raise money six months in. 
Um, what did that look like with those advisors? Was it like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to somebody who's done this before. I'm going to somebody with deep pockets. Yeah. And, like, you're, and like, are they getting equity? Or are they just talking you through it and telling you what to expect? Because I think this is the piece that people want to know the most. I think once mm-hmm. you get on the front trail and you get those first, sure. like it gets easier. But in the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, your first round's hardest as, as long as you're growing, for sure. And I think in, to answer your question, we try to find people kind of from a specialty perspective. So some I'll keep some of the names confidential, but like if we were trying to find an expert in distributor, let's go to someone who's worked at a distributor in their past life. If we were trying to find someone expert in like organizational development, which is like comes a lot sooner than than you think, then let's go find someone who's a CEO of like a really a company that was people like to work for, right? And so we kind of started lining up these folks. And yes, they all had, excuse me, have uh, ownership in the company. And were you doing cold outreaches or were they warm introduction? Because I think like this is the piece. Like, yeah. I, I, people, it's so daunting. They're like, how do you yeah. go to a guy that's a CEO or a girl that's a CEO of a company that's already done well mm-hmm. and like get them to believe in two young guys that are just getting started? Yeah, and that's where I feel like I think there's just an element of like, I don't, I won't say luck, but just like almost just good fortune. I mean, the fact that the people that we did talk to were saying like, yeah, but not everyone says yes. But you, you know? but how, like when you say like, what's the percent, how many people were you talking to? Okay. So, all right. So yeah. <laughs> it's basically yeah. the, the way I would like, so I'll just say like, on, and but people know this, but our, uh, a very big in, investor and advisor to us is Peter Hall. So he started our X bar. He sold that to Kellogg. Um, we started, you know, him and Jared, um, they're both amazing. And when I was introduced to them, I knew that we were, we were vertically integrated. So we make all of our own product, which if you look at a lot of consumer brands today, for efficiency reasons, they don't. But when we started off, there was no one who could contract brew our product. So we had we bought Ballast Points Old Brewery. So that basically means that as an early stage company, we're gonna have a lot bigger organization than most other companies that are early stage, whose like entire manufacturing piece of that business would be outsourced right but you have a strong asset then totally long term yeah short term just a ton of stress and and anyhow so i just peter had this reputation of just being an amazing people leader and setting up really good culture so after i met him i just called him and said hey it's kind of the blue but this is what we're trying to do and would would you you know be willing to give me an hour of your time every other week and that's kind of how the relationship starts. And it's it's advanced, you know, since then. Sure. But I guess just like kind of yeah. dating. Like even taking a step <laughs> back from there, we had a list of people. Like we just sat down with a pencil and paper and like, who are the people that we look up to and inspire us? Whether, I mean, we reached out to Patagonia. They're one of our favorite brands. They, it just didn't make sense. But like, oh, like sh- I was shameless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were shamelessly oh, reaching out. Like, you know, like when you reach out, calls, is it text. through an email or? It could be anything like a like contact at patagonia.com. I, I've, or, I've DM'd entrepreneurs. I love it. I love it. I'm the same yeah. fucking way. Yeah. I love it. What's the worst that can this happen? This is the stuff people need <laughs> yeah. to hear, though, because I think people get so like, they think, well, if I don't get the introduction or yeah. if I don't really know somebody who knows them, it's like, yeah. I am a firm believer that like the DM, the cold yeah. email. I like, honestly got the first 300 big celebrity name interviews on my blog by tweeting them. There is yeah. no excuse. And listen, yeah. I got a thousand no's. Yeah. Like let's let's yeah, put same. that on yeah. the table. I got thousands of no's, but I got two hundred yeses. Yeah, that's all you need. So you take the two hundred and then you leverage it for mm-hmm. the next two hundred. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's such yeah. good advice, what you guys just said. Stop making it this fancy yeah. schmancy thing that you have to have some connection. That's an excuse yeah. that's holding you back that you're making for yourself. Like just reach out. Yeah. No. Yeah. 
a lot of these people were in your shoes and want to hear from real young people who are trying this, not from other people that have a ton of connections because like we get reached out to now a lot or not a lot, but sometimes we always make time to help people. So was, we remember, you know, three years ago, we were those people and yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think it must be, we're not successful yet. So I, I just always wonder like, what is it like when you're successful and maybe you guys are experiencing this and then you're trying to start something again that is like scary to me because right now I, we have nothing to lose. So it's we'll the, just be like absolute savages about yeah. it. Do you know what I mean? Like this is all we have. So I don't no, know. It's, it's the scariest thinking about like, I think that's the, the difference between like successful people and not is like yeah. people that lose their drive. It's like you mm -hmm. think, or you think that because you did something one time successfully, you can mm -hmm. do it forever. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. You believe your own hype. Yeah. What about someone yeah. that, that does fucking amazing in one category and then thinks they can go to every single category? Like how many people do we know that have crushed mm -hmm. it and sold their company for so much money and then mm -hmm. opened a restaurant, but they weren't in the restaurant industry <laughs> yeah. and then the restaurant failed. Or a vineyard. Yeah. 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 Or a vineyard. Yeah. 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 The vineyard is the, yeah. what did What's it the, say where, Kevin said where, us? Napa's where billionaires go to become a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. How did you guys have the foresight? I'm very mm. interested in this to oh. design the mm. can to be so aesthetically pleasing. Like it's a can that you would want on your Instagram feed. You want to put it on your Instagram stories. It's really, really cute. Mm. So one of the things we learned early on was divide and conquer, super important especially because we are friends, even though we're very different. And if it was up, to, <laughs> this is ridiculous. So I thought that we should put it in like brown stubby bottles, like red stripes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Look at Lauren's face. So after that, it was like, I'm just getting out of this branding department. <laughs> and then Forrest took charge. So you can yeah, talk so to that. <laughs> How did you say no, 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 no? We actually did a trip with brown stubby bottles and these like papered labels. That The first time we did a photo shoot, we like hand bottled bottles in the garage. I was like breaking glass bottles. Trying glass to is also so much out. less sustainable. Like, I don't yeah. know what we were thinking. Uh, yeah. But honestly, I talked to a few designers and I just realized that I think these design firms, they all kind of put out stuff that looks the same. And there's like a formula, like what font is trending? Like last year it was sans serif and like everyone rebranded the sans serif font. And I think that that kind of turned me off in the wrong way. And my brother and I actually designed the original blood orange mint can ourselves in Photoshop. We're not, neither of us are graphic designers. Now we have a design team that helps and things have gotten better, but it was literally my brother and I were just like, what do we like? What do we think is cool? This, the artist is Nick Kuchar from Hawaii. He was a friend of a friend. So I, I reached out, this is another example. I reached out to probably 40 artists and 35 of them never got back to me. Four of them were too expensive. Nick was the only guy that was like this. I love kombucha. I love hard kombucha. You guys seem like cool kids. Yes, you can work with me. Like I'll, I'll help you with the art. So we used his art. And my brother and I just sat down in Photoshop and we're like, we were inspired by a few other companies, but it was really, I knew it was going to be photographed and it was right when Instagram stories were taking off. So I was like, if you can make something that people want to share and, and hold in their hand, that's obviously like people think about the packaging more as like function. But for me, it was kind of like fashion and then we wanted something that was going to be aesthetically pleasing, but it was honestly like we bootstrapped it in the beginning. And yeah, I mean, that's, the, there wasn't a lot to it. The other day, we were in the airport. We had no food because I ate it. <laughs> you I, ate my food and the baby's food. I literally ate Zaza's food. I could not believe it. I wanted to almost report you to child services. You didn't only eat my food. <laughs> you ate the baby's food and left me and, and Zaza destitute. We had nothing. This is a true story. So we're coming back from Cabo and I got the most epic tacos ready to go. Quesadillas, but, tacos, quesadillas. everything for the baby and me and you to share. Yeah. And then I ate it. 
thank God I had Go Macro Bars, okay? I had them on hand, ready to go. I brought them down to Cabo and I had the newest flavor, which is my favorite flavor and Zaza's, which is the lemon plus lemon. It is like a glass of fresh squeezed lemonade. The kind of lemonade that you see when you're driving down like an old street with lots of trees and there's like little girls behind like a wood stand. That's the kind of lemonade we're talking. I just want to know what you would have done if you didn't have that bar and we had a screaming baby on a floor flight back from Mexico with no food. I feel like I had us covered. This one is filled with organic lemon, crispy puffed brown rice, and a rich organic cashew butter. And here's the deal. I covered my ass because it was made with 10 grams of plant-based protein. And you should also know it was certified organic, vegan, gluten-free, kosher, non-GMO, clean, raw, and soy-free. So I actually am the mom of the year. Okay. You're going to get your hands on Go Macro's new lemon plus lemon macro bar by going to gomacro.com and using promo code SKINNY for 30% off plus free shipping on all orders over $50. I'm telling you, your kids, your husband, you will love Go Macros flavors. The lemon plus lemon is my recommendation. Always have them in your bag because you never know when you're going to want to eat someone's quesadilla and tacos. Or your children's food. People like whine and cry and like complain all the time about how life is so tough now and like how like this and that about stations in life and mm-hmm. pretty, like, all this shit. And I get it. I get it. Like, mm-hmm. and that might be truthful in a lot of scenarios, but there has never been a time in human history where access to people, yeah. access to opportunity, access to capital, access to pretty much yeah. everything has been more available. Right? I completely like, agree. could not agree was, more. I was, do not know why people could, you know, no the, Because back in the day, there was six people. Like <laughs> if you wanted to go do something, yeah. there was like six decision makers. You want to get on the, t- yeah. you wanted to get on TV back in the day, there was like three. You know, it's like why Howard Stern has gotten salty over the years because podcasting, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it's because back in his day, there was four or five people that said, yes, you're on the air or not. I yeah. mean, now it's tomorrow. Like you can, yeah. if someone wants to start one of these things, they could do it yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can literally download a can template on there's a bunch of different websites for free and then start overlaying artwork and to see what looks cool and we thought this looked cool and then we also the idea of of, we wanted to make summer in a can essentially and like this is on the original can it's a girl riding a bike there's a guy surfing in the background there's palm trees it's like it's like the perfect beach day and i wanted you to look at the can after you take a sip and be like okay it feels like it takes you to a beach in hawaii with palm trees so that was like the, the story behind it and now with each can the art is supposed to be kind of like an escape from your from your day like you crack open the can and take a sip like where does it take you and the art is a landscape of the flavor essentially so that was the the deeper meaning behind it how much is 4.2 percent alcohol like what's in a glass of wine what's in a beer so a beer like a bud light coors light is all four to four and a half percent so that's like a the light version our core products are six percent so it's a a bit stronger than a beer but that's just like one percent more than a seltzer okay here's the real question is everyone ready yes are you guys single? <laughs> I always do this with the guys on the podcast. No, I'm, I've just had my five year anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, no, I, I, I also he, have a girlfriend. Oh, okay, okay. No, 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 I hesitated. No, I hesitated. She's an absolute sweetheart. No, I hesitate. I just think whatever four says has been a five year relationship. I just said, man. Time's ticking. Time's oh, yeah, ticking. time's ticking. Once you hit the five-year mark. I make faster decisions in forest. That is true. Once the five-year mark gets hit, it's like the clock in Peter Pan. It's yeah, in the alligator. Let me give you a young this. gentleman some word about it. Tell me my wife. You guys, you guys are young. You're heading up this fucking massive 
kombucha business. Their girlfriends hate you. I disagree. <laughs> no, listen, listen, keep the girls on their toes. They gotta, they gotta, it's they gotta, been five years. We got to make sure we're certain here, Lauren. He's certain. It's five I years. Don't know. Listen, the, I, we yeah. could be talking about a full 10 here. I don't know. I have never met your girlfriend. I don't know her. Maybe that is. <laughs> She's, She's a full 10. But yeah, I'm saying, she is. She is. listen, your girlfriend's going to be writing a bad review on the show now. Thank God. <laughs> um, but no, take it. You guys are young guys. You guys are going to take your time. This is, a, this, is a, this is a big decision. You're literally so dumb, for lack of better word, because you said you wanted to marry me when you were 12. So this is so, you're, wow. you're pretending. But at 12, I didn't really know. So then I had to get you back and I had to re reassess. Uh, yeah. And then we got engaged after that period of time. At five years, it's time to go. All right. We two schools of thought here. She would be on your side here. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And your advice is like shit. Well, like, listen, these guys, it's hey, only like two guys that just advice. fell off the back of a melon truck. These guys got shit going on. You know? Yeah. You, you didn't fall out of the back of a melon truck. Back then, I was I was. I do think that people then. change a lot in their 20s. She was 21 when we started dating. I was 23. So like, we're totally different people today. We'll be totally different people in a few years, but. You guys got time. Yeah, we got time. What I always think about this stuff, again, like, who knows? People are going to get mad. But it's, you like, this. if this is a life, like, when I married Lauren, and I was like, okay, this is, like, now I'm in it. Like, we're going to, like, I don't want to have to, like, second guess this later. or like I'm, I'm second like, guessing you right now. <laughs> sure. But I was like, hey, like, if this is a lifetime thing, like, I, you know, people, like, always rush this thing. And listen, like, you guys could do a business together, right? You could, yeah. And, like, that business relationship could be, like, God willing, it's forever, but five, ten years. Yeah. That's right. quick. Yeah. This thing, this thing's got to last a long time. So you're going to get kids in the mix. You got to be sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of like marriage. We lived together for the first year and a half and yeah. it was kind of like marriage. We would, we spent a lot of time together. <laughs> what did you guys fight about? Tell us everything. Oh man. He would come in the, in my room at like one in the morning with like a spreadsheet and I'd be in bed with my girlfriend. I'd be like, yo, like, can you knock first? Can you knock? And oh second, God, can, this, can I have the no spreadsheet boundaries. wait till tomorrow morning? Like, he's like, no, no, we got to figure this out. And I was like, okay. So I would get up and go figure it out. We were dedicated. Yeah, that put a lot of pressure on. That's literally <laughs> my fr my best friend Weston. Michael will be feeding the baby a bottle in bed at nine o'clock at night, and Weston will run downstairs with a spreadsheet. And Michael's like, "Bro, like, can we do this in the What's morning?" What's the movie where the guy like screams like, "Hey, Johnny!" and he smashes the window? <laughs> Taylor, what is that movie again? You know what I'm talking about with Jack Nicholson. Taylor's blacked out. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so not anger management. That that was later in life with Adam Sandler, dude. No, not that one. Where do you guys foresee the brand going? Like, what is the next step? Is it to just really capture, like, you already have the kombucha, kombucha. Say, mm -hmm. say it one more time for me. Kombucha. Kombucha. Uh, market, or is it to branch out? Is it to do more products? I would love to know, like, what your roadmap is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's very much focus and keep building the category. There's so much room for it to grow. Like it's a product that a lot of people want, but it's so relatively new that the distribution is, is minimal. Yeah. We, we probably, we have like a different look at it in, in SoCal, but. Yeah, SoCal is like two or three years ahead of the rest of the country, I think with hard kombucha. So we have yeah. a lot of work to do. Like you go to Chicago and a lot of people are like, wait, what, hard yeah. what? So we're still, tr we're, we're still solving that awareness issue and the consumer education issue. And that's where some of these bigger partnerships, like with Whitney Cummings, Diplo just joined the team, Cody Co, Allie Krieger, and Ashton Harris are mm -hmm. two women's soccer team players on the national team that are that will be in the Olympics. So doing those types of partnerships and showing hard kombucha to the to the kind of the more mainstream audience is our next eighteen months. That's mm -hmm. got to be a good. I mean, you guys got to feel good about being in that position, though, right? I mean, yeah. It's yeah. better to be as early as you are than trying to catch up with a, oh, something like this that 100%, takes off. A hundred percent. Yeah. What about the gut? There's so many benefits mm. to mm -hmm. the gut. Can you talk about the benefits of kombucha? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just like kombucha in general, 
Well, a lot of people talk about is probiotics, which is basically a beneficial bacteria to your gut. And you'll hear a lot of folks who, if they're on an antibiotic regimen afterwards, will take probiotics to try to restore some balance. But then like even past that, just think of what, what is kombucha? It's fermented tea and it's fermented either with sugar or honey. And so in, in our case, we use honey and the benefits of green tea alone, it's, it's, a, it's high in polyphenols, high in antioxidants that's what you're drinking, right? So like a lot of alcohol today is literally just sugar water versus something that has a tea base that's high in all those things I just mentioned, it's gonna leave you feeling better. So a lot of the things that are in a non-alcohol kombucha are in alcohol kombucha. And a lot of people always ask like, do the probiotics live? And they do, they diminish, but not to a significant degree, yeah. And then the other nice thing about what we're doing is because we're using real like juices and real flavorings is you're actually getting the benefit of that. And so like one of my favorite things is if you drink three blood orange mints, that's your daily vitamin C. Oh, I'm so about that. <laughs> so I often skip my daily vitamin C <laughs> in anticipation of drinking three in the evening. But no, it's, 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 it's definitely a pretty, pretty incredible product. Yeah. Why do you guys give all your employees a copy of the book? Mm -hmm. Let my people go surfing. Okay. So I'll take, I'll take yeah. this one. I'm very inspired by Yvonne Chouinard and, or tell a quick side story about a company. Sure. Okay. So we thought about starting a natural wetsuit company and like being surfers. We always think like the surf industry is very big, but it's really not that big. And I went to Taiwan, I met with the manufacturing facility and for long list reasons, I decided not to do it. But while I was there, I was reading this book. And I remember thinking like, if we ever do pull it together and start a company, like this is a blueprint for how you would want your company to be. And, why? Tell us why. Okay. Because the, all right. So I think that when you look at what Patagonia has done is they've scaled a company that's really, they're private. Everyone talks like they're a really successful company and they actually make a product that's like significantly more sustainable than a lot of their competitors. And they're big advocates for what they believe in and whether or not people align with that, I'd respect companies that like truly have a purpose. The thing that I think I liked most about them was they figured out if we bring on a certain caliber of, of person onto our team, then we can indoctrinate a more progressive culture that lets people truly excel at the company and in their personal lives. And so like the let my people go surfing policy at Juneshine completely just stole from Patagonia, shamelessly stole, is that like we don't have PTO. Like you, that doesn't work that well nowadays, whether you're a young um, guy or gal who just likes to rock climb all the time, or whether you're like a young parent and like nine to five doesn't work. And so in the beginning, we were too busy to write like an HR manual. So I was like, fuck it let's just start getting a lot of people surfing books and I'll just write a note in them. So now we have really well-developed people policies, but it's a tradition that we've, that we've kept on because we want people to continue to come into our company with that type of open mindset, that this is a, this is a different work environment where they can thrive compared to probably where they're coming from, especially if it's like Anheuser-Busch or Miller Coors, right? It's really a culture based on trust. And it's essentially that you're trusting your employees to get what they need to get done on their own time. And we try to limit meetings and people, like, if the waves are good, you go surfing. That's surfing is replaced with any sort of hobby or family thing or um, whatever they like to do with their free time. And it's it's not on our schedule, it's on the company. As long as you get your work done, you can kind of do what you want. And that's that's the essence of, of the culture that we've created. And it's worked because we've hired the right people and people, tr like, 
it's all based on trust. The second the trust breaks down, that culture doesn't work anymore. And it's hard. It can be hard to scale. Like Patagonia, what we love about them is they've scaled it into a huge business. Because it's easy to say that when you're small and then you get to be a big company and you have to create these guidelines for people. But yeah, I, think we, I mean, we have about 100 people now and it's still working well. So yeah. What do you have to do when you fire someone? I can't imagine mm. you guys firing someone. You guys both seem so cool and nice. How are you firing someone? Or is it not you? No, it's us. We're like so, pretend like you're firing me. No, I hate doing that. I think the key with it is communication and communicating beforehand. Why? Like you're not just pulling the rug out. And being like, exactly. Hey. And exactly. And that's, I think that's one of the things that we've learned is it's like, you want to communicate as early as you can that someone isn't meeting the job requirements and that, and as long as you do that, it's, it's okay. You get into trouble when you, when, when, when that breaks down. I had a guy, a good yeah. friend of mine that worked in the service industry. He, he ran restaurants in Miami and he like gave me advice early on. Lauren, you were there. And, and it was, I think some of the smartest advice. And it was basically like, he says at the end of the day, like him as the manager, like in the beginning, everything is his fault if it's not communicated mm-hmm. properly. So he brings someone in. It's a stupid example, but he would say like, they're talking about sitting the place state, the, or the, what is it? The place settings because mm-hmm. in a gourmet restaurant. He's like, okay, John, like when you set the place, it goes like this, this is where the fork goes, the knife mm-hmm. grows, and this is exactly how it is. And then like, manage the person and, you know, the person, maybe they didn't set it the right way. So you come back and say, hey, John, I just want to make sure, like, mm-hmm. we talked about this, like, I was clear, you understood, like, this is how it is, like, you get it? And he goes, mm-hmm. yes. And then the third time, it's like, okay, well, I was clear, you were, you told me I was clear, mm-hmm. like, let's correct it. And then by the fourth time, it's like, okay, now I have to let you go because what he, what he was telling me is like, there's a checklist. The first is like making sure you're clear as a mm-hmm. manager. Second, it's making sure that the person acknowledges that you were clear. And then third, if they've acknowledged it and you were clear and they're not, then it's like, okay, it's not the right fit. And we got mm-hmm. to part ways. It's not a personal thing at that point. It's like, I think, and I think about that, like extrapolating to management in every other area, like maybe, you know, we're talking about a, mm-hmm. a simple place setting, mm-hmm. but I think that's so important for, especially for young managers, like mm-hmm. not just expecting people to know how to do things the way that you want them done or expect yeah. them to be done, but like 100%. making sure they understand the way you've communicated it and that they've acknowledged that that's okay with them or that yeah. they get it. And if not, then like the, you as a manager is a fuck up. Yeah. But I think after yeah. that, you got to be able to make the decision like, Hey, you're not right for the organization. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I'm not, a. I mean, we're three years into this. Like we were relatively like, like, our company is still like a fly on an elephant's ass. And I don't think we're pros at this by any means. The one thing that we have learned is that when you're growing really, really quickly, that not everyone grows that fast mm-hmm. and that's okay. And I think when you realize that that's normal, it makes things like that easier. And and I can't, I won't give like exact numbers, but like when we like tripled our revenue year over year, the, the company just changes dramatically. Sure. Some people thrive in that and they have like a super growth spurt in their career. And some people are really happier at the size that they signed up for, not the size that you're at. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's a great opportunity for them to part ways, take that experience, bring it to another company. And I always try to tell people like, there's probably a day where for, I think Forrest is infinite in his skill set, but there's probably a day for me where I'm not the best CEO of Dreamshine. <laughs> God only I'd be like a stellar public company CEO. So I think that's just something that that was like a very that was a great like unlock learning yeah. experience. I completely agree with you. And I think it goes back to the person being self-aware. And you're so self-aware mm-hmm. when you say that about about being a CEO. You have to be self-aware with what you like and in tune. Mm-hmm. Like are you someone who does better in a small 
work atmosphere or are you someone that can scale or are you someone that wants to wants rules and structure? I think you really have to get real with what you like and what you want to do so you can put yourself in the best case scenario. It's it's the hardest thing too because when you're in a small team and everybody knows what's going on and everybody's communicating and then you get to like a mid-sized team and like maybe you know less and you're not all communicating then you get to a big yeah. team and then there's very few people that know everything that's going on and the communications less like in some ways I, I don't think people feel slighted but they mm-hmm. the loss of access mm-hmm. or the loss of like knowing everything is hard on some people mm-hmm. and that's okay because i think the bigger thing to talk through here is like understanding what type of operator or what type of employee you are in terms of in, in terms of the size of organization mm-hmm. like maybe yep. you're a startup guy you know maybe you're a ceo that can take a business from like one to ten million but once you start to get to that 50 100 like maybe it's like maybe it's somebody else i don't mm-hmm. know but i don't think a lot of people talk about this they just think like oh i started something i got to be with it forever yeah mm-hmm. if we say hire the right person for the right job at the right time and all three of those things can change every 6 12 18 I would hate to be months. a publicly traded company. I mean, yeah. CEO, yeah. CEO yeah. of a publicly traded company. Yeah. I would yeah. fucking lose. I don't want to go and answer to a bunch <laughs> of fucking people on a board and something. Yeah. 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 If I ever got to a company that size, I'd just be like, listen, guys, yeah. I'm out. I don't know. Like, it's not, there's not a check. Yeah. He it's wants to it. let my people go surfing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really want to go like people like look at someone like a Jeff Bezos and like, oh, that's the best. I'm like, do you know how much shit that guy's got to go through and how many people he's got to answer to yeah. and questioning him and this yeah. and that and advisories this and that yeah. and government? Fuck that. I got, oh, yeah. I got other shit to do. I yeah. obviously don't know him personally, but I bet you that his most fun days were a long time ago at, yeah. at Amazon. Like from the perspective of working at the company, mm-hmm. I feel like the most, at least I'm, I'm part of my own, I don't know this guy, I'm part of my own bias <laughs> on him. I think the most fun time <laughs> is the, the grind, the build. Then like once everything clicks, you're like, but I think that's why you see the guys like that. They, him and Elon both are trying to put people on Mars because that's yeah. like the new frontier. They're like, okay, we solved this huge issue. Yeah. For them to be excited, they're like, I literally have to send humanity to Mars. So I feel like that's probably still Yeah, fun. guys like that's like the chase, like, it's like a dog chasing a car, but it's like they're never yeah. going to catch. They're the best yeah. entrepreneurs yeah. I, I think yeah. I've ever lived. But in terms of like personal, enjoy, I mean, listen, they probably enjoy the chase and the ambition and building like the crazy shit they're building. But in terms of like day-to-day interactions yeah. and having yeah. to deal with like government boards, yeah. and the, I, Oh, yeah. So I was just yeah. this last weekend. I was in the backcountry in South Sierra. There's just a couple of fishing spots I like, and we were camping out. And it was like a beautiful night, and we're sleeping out. We, we woke up with the stars, and there's this thing, and it looked like a star was shooting stars out vertically. And at first, I was like, "Am I like sick? Like, is something wrong with me?" <laughs> and so I touched my buddy. I was out there. I was like, "Joe, like." Do you see that? <laughs> I was afraid to ask. He'd be like, no, you're losing it. You're losing your marbles. And then he's like, yeah, that's crazy. And so I came back and, and it like rattled me so much. I was like, I don't believe in like, cre- <laughs> I'm not fucking crazy. <laughs> did you have mushrooms? No, no, I want Did you have the blood orange mint mushroom? Yeah, how many scopes? I want you to hear where I'm going with this. So do you want to know what? I'll I'll go wherever you guys want to go with this, but I just want to, so I'm going back to what you're saying. Do you want to know what this was? It was SpaceX was launching 60 satellites into the universe. That's what it was, which is like insane to think about. But that, that's what I saw. Well, that and so when you that think, makes sense. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Listen, if I'm out in the woods and, I'm, and I see that, I'm like, I think we're all freaking out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 60 satellites. I thought that there was like mushrooms going on. Yeah. Or no. Okay. no, no, I'm pretty. Um, what, what are some tools that you have both in your toolbox 
that make you efficient? And that mm. could mean a really great morning routine, a nighttime mm. wind down. Mm. Like what are some, some little things that you go to every day to make you be such high performers? Yeah. I feel like Greg's better at this than I am. He's pretty regimented. I kind of just flow through. I, I try and get in the water every day. I try and surf at least, if not every day, every, every other day, that definitely, it's the only place I leave my phone on the beach. And like, I'm, I used to run all of our socials. So I'm like, you're on, it's, if it's your job, you're on Instagram all day long, every day. And I realized that was not healthy. So surfing is like the, one of the only things I can do where I'm like, you literally can't bring your phone out there. People are trying to make these waterproof phones. I think it's the, like, no, leave that shit on the beach. So for me, it's just simple things. I try and get in the water and then like a tech hack, there's this thing called superhuman. And it's like an email inbox app that I use. That's actually, it sounds crazy, but it's, it's makes it so much more efficient. And it just gives me exactly what I need to respond to and filters all the rest out. How, like do you, how does it know? There's like a, there's like a learning technology. And it, it, like it's boomerang? all knowing. It, I'm not sure what that one is, but it's called superhuman. And it essentially just, I gotta it, check that. it's based on like how much time you spend on different types of emails and it studies your interactions with different people. So if it knows if Greg's emailing me, it's probably important. Other people, not as much. Not that their emails aren't important, but it just serves me up like a, a curated batch of email every day. And I, I swear it saves me hours every day. It's pretty cool. Michael's going to download that. I use this one <laughs> called Boomerang, yeah. but it doesn't have the superhuman learning stuff. It's like I can, yeah. you mm -hmm. know, prioritize or move things for later days yeah. or later. Like, But it's just like a time thing. Yeah. Like you can move things around, but I'm going to check that one out. That's mm. cool. What about you? I, I need to do a lot of physical activity. I'm very impatient person it's like my weakness for sure i'm pretty open about it with especially with our leadership team try to tell them i'm working on it but i'm impatient myself too so i found that when i get like a good regiment of recently i've been training a lot of jujitsu i'm not good at it but i think that's because i'm so bad it's like such an exhausting thing i find that doing that try to do that a few times a week and supplement that with some other workouts now i'm pretty like hell-bent on spending three days without my phone in the wilderness how often monthly is what I like to do. And that helps me a lot because I, I can, t I turn to like a pretty big workaholic, but I don't know if this, it used to be harder. Now we have such a good team that it's not as chaotic as it, as it once mm -hmm. was. I'm curious what you do, Lynn. You could do some of those tips. <laughs> yeah, no, I, mean, I think like anything, I think anything that can take you away from this yeah. or this yeah. is a good thing. You yeah. were right? reading books, hard books. Oh, I, I, I am obsessed reading. with Wim Hof breath work. Mm, yeah. Oh, it's wow. changed yeah. my life. I, I would That's highly awesome. recommend yeah, it. Yeah, I've, I've done a little bit of it. The, yeah. It's huge in the surf world. Like for big wave surfing, they all got into Wim Hof. He's like the god of breath holding it's, for surfing. I can see why. Yeah. I can see why. I feel like if you do that before you hop in the ocean, yeah. why I think hopping in the ocean is so smart is because you get all the ions of the earth. Like mm, you're just mm -hmm. absorbing all of that goodness yeah. in your feet. And people like mm -hmm. people don't realize if you're hungover and you go and walk on the beach without your shoes mm -hmm. on, it will take your hangover away. Yeah. Like it will. Especially if you dive in and it's freezing cold. Especially if like you drink up. fucking June shine and then you go and you do grounding <laughs> and then exactly. you do Wim Hof and then you get in the no, ocean. But, exactly. but that's not true. That I is mean, a routine. Done. Lauren and I, start, like, um, I don't do it anymore because now we're in Austin and I, I used to have a, a gym and I was doing Muay Thai for a while and I was like, yeah. it's like, you you can't have a mm -hmm. phone there. You just get your head kicked off. Then we yeah. did boxing together. Like um, I used nice. to do as a kid and we started training out here again. Um, we haven't done it because Texas when I'm a trainer, but like, I think anything that just takes you away from technology mm -hmm. and makes you think about something completely different mm -hmm. um, or makes you engage in a way where you like, can't, like, you know, like if you're, if, if you're surfing, you can't like, Oh, I'm going to check an email or yeah, do, yeah, do, exactly, do jujitsu. Exactly. You can't be like, I'm going to check this out. You got to no. pay attention. Like anything yeah. that takes you away. So you don't, you can't yeah. passively do it. You have to actively yeah. do it. I think. Yeah. Calendar hygiene is also really important. A hundred. When you're small, it was just Greg and I, and it was 
you know, now it's like he's he's better. At, he's I'm better. Really, at, he's you know, really good at calendar. this. So am I. But, yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> and if you're as a cre- as a creative, I got he. This is great feedback that he gave me. And it was I, all of a sudden I didn't have any time to be creative. I was in meetings nine to five every day, helping on my my team. And I was like, wait, I need hour like four hour blocks where it's literally just be creative and like sit down and solve a creative problem. And you, you, like it's so easy to just make yourself busy with shit all day that you don't you don't actually get get anything done. Yeah. So now I just like just blo- I block mine deny. off. It says yeah. f off time. Like That's f awesome. off. Do not yeah. put yeah. anything during this time. You ha- you have to be well, very very gnarly with your boundaries yeah. too. And as you grow, like I used to say yes to everything, and now I'm finding myself the way to get to the next step is to say no to basically everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of the flack we get on this show is we'll talk about like calendar blocking or answering, mm. and here's and it's a and it's rightful flack here. It is, is people say easy for you to say if you have your own business or your mm. sets your own schedule, but they work in companies where like, they don't have the luxury mm. to be like, I can't be, I can't go be creative or take mm-hmm. a block or like respond to it. But mm. I, I would challenge those people now, especially talking about companies like yours and others. Mm-hmm. Like if you're in a business that doesn't allow you to thrive to the best of your abilities, right? Like if you know you're a creative person, but you can't be because you're at the beck and call of emails or team meetings, mm-hmm. or you're somebody that would operate more efficiently because you take time to get away from an inbox. Like, I think we live in a time now, again, going back to opportunity where you can maybe question like, Hey, is this the right job for me? Right? Like if you can't mm-hmm. be the most, or you can't act in your most full potential and know yeah. you're giving the best, like, I know that's hard because people are like, oh shit, like I can't just leave my job. Well, or you but- could just do what Tim Ferriss did in the four hour work week. He used to work mm-hmm. nine to five at an insurance company. And what he would do is while everyone went to work at nine o'clock and did all their cold calls, he would wake up at seven, do all the cold calls. So that by the time everyone got in the office, he had already gotten all sure, the clients. But, but people get- you have to think outside the box yes. like that because then you can have more time. Yes. But mm-hmm. I think like what I'm saying is the flack we get is because people will blanketly say, well, I can't do that because of my certain job. I'm like, well, Again, this is maybe give me more flack. Yeah, like, but like I can't do this. Is like I, is I can't. Right, I can't I do. Saying, I can't is do that. This. The right job because yeah. I hear like cultures like yours, and that's also you can always like figure something out. Mm-hmm. There's other job. I think mm-hmm. people just lock themselves into these boxes that don't necessarily mm-hmm. fit for them or their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely, hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's at least for me. Like I feel like there's this rotating thing where I'll be like stressed out about how I use my time, and then I'll be like. I'll fi- figure out, like, I'll reorganize how I go about my day. And I'll be like, yep, I'm completely dialed. And then I have, like, a three months of bliss. Then everything fucking breaks again. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so that's why, like, I'm always yeah. hesitant to say, like, this is what you should do. Because all, the things that work for me today, I, I like, I'm positive that I kind of have to reset my systems, like, every nine months, maybe, maybe every 12 months. But I don't know. One thing that's held, like, really true for me since starting June China has been the outdoor thing. That's been a really good getaway. And um, reading before bed. Mm. So I don't sleep well if I don't read. Everyone has their own bed routine. Some people, it's just, like, doom scroll. Yeah, <laughs> doom scroll or... <laughs> Just literally scrolling on your phone <laughs> till you fall asleep. I do not do that. Or some people use substances or medicine, depending on how, how you, whichever way you look at it. But when I read, for some reason, it helps me sleep. Don't, don't you know. think you dream better? I feel like I can't I dream have, well if I don't read. I have crazy dreams. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, nah, yeah. Yeah, you have to. I mean. Not always good, though. Sure, but like, they're, but they're like, but you dream well. I don't know if they're good and or not. You won't yeah. be oh, reading yeah. a Playboy no, before bed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're reading before yeah. bed. Maybe I need to read what you're reading I know, before I'm bed. Saying, like, I, like, I feel like I, if you go to bed reading something interesting, it could be anything. Like, you, yeah. dr- you like, dream better. Or read a book about me, bitch. <laughs> 
<laughs> I feel like you like play <laughs> shit in my head all night. You never know. What is a book, a resource, a podcast, a Netflix series that you both listen to that, or watch or read that provides you value that you would mm. leave our audience with? Oof. I've got a good book. Go for it. Uh, it's called Ramping Your Brand by James Richardson. He's a PhD and it's all about, he studies, it's one of the yeah. most recent books I've found on brands and marketing. Like what makes, essentially he defines the skate ramp curve, which are brands that double revenue year over year over year. A lot of them fall off the curve after, you know, if you're 1 million, 2 million, 4, 8, the numbers get bigger and bigger and harder and harder to keep on that curve. And he like, kind of unlocks a few key attributes to those companies. And they're really, it's about like, what is the key consumption attribute and outcome of your product? And I used to think it was really more about all of like the hippy dippy stuff about kombucha. And then I realized people drink Junshan because of it tastes great, it's refreshing. And those are the same reasons why people drink a Coors Light and, and White Claws. They taste great and they're refreshing. So I think no, no matter what your product is, like getting too far away from that attribute outcome relationship, that's at the end of the day what you're selling or what you're giving people. So that was a huge unlock for us last year. We, got, we had gotten a little bit far away from our consumers. So we actually spent a month just interviewing consumers live. Smart. Kind of like this on phone calls, on Zoom calls, in person, asking just why, 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 why. It's kind of like annoying for them at some point. But yeah, our we, consumers are awesome. We learned so much about them. I think after two years, we were like, wait, we should be talking to our consumers every month. And now we have a team that just talks to our consumers. So yeah, it's called Ramping Your Brand. It's a great book. Yeah. I'm literally buying it on Amazon. That it, sounds like an amazing book. Ramping your brand. And it's cool because it talks about brands that you know, like that blew up in the last two years. Not these like old case studies that are cool, but like you, they're brands that you would know that you probably use and like why they. I love it. Yeah, it's cool. I'm going to order. And by the way, anyone that says, oh, like I, I can't afford all these books. What I do is I buy them used on mm. Amazon for $2 yeah. or I go to the library. Yeah, so yeah. The, there's always a way to get this information. Yeah. Never uh, say why you can't do something. I'll yeah. find a way. I love that. Yeah. Use books on Amazon are so cheap. Yeah. It's awesome. That's a good one. There's there's a cool documentary that came out recently, or not that recently, called Kiss the Ground, mm. which I know you're big mm -hmm. on for. It's pretty cool. It talks about how essentially soil itself could be like one of our biggest ways to sequester carbon. It's kind of based, I think, loosely off the book, The Soil Will Save Us by Naomi Klein, which is pretty good. But I think if I wish someone had given me two books before I started doing China. One is Call Sign Chaos by Jim Mattis. The General? Yeah, it's amazing. The guy, that guy is really impressive. I have that on my book. It's a, it's a white cover, right? Yeah, it's his and face. It's his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I gotta read that. Um, so yeah, our director of operations actually served under him. He's also an extraordinary right. guy and told me to read the book and I did. And it was amazing about, I think it's some good lessons on how, how to just value your people because that's the most important thing you have. And then Pour Your Heart Into It by Howard Schultz. It's his story with Starbucks. And I think he like really... It's just a great book. I think it's like, it's crazy that you always say like, you want to, how did people start these companies? These crazy successful companies like Starbucks, well, it, like he just, he wrote a book on it. You can just go, you can read it, <laughs> which is kind of cool. <laughs> like people always say that like, oh, I'll never know. It's like, yeah, well, it's the, I think it's like, I'll go on like a tangent, but it's so frustrating because so like. Give him a little alcohol. <laughs> and but again, yeah. it goes back to like, I understand Pre, and we almost went on this tangent, you and I, I could tell we were about to go there yeah. the, on a tangent about like when people complain about access or being able to learn something or be able to fund mm -hmm. like all these things. I'm like, there was a real point in history where like, if you were born in a certain station in life or at a certain yes. circumstance, like you had no chance, like right. you were, mm -hmm. it was defined. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But 
what this podcast has taught me, what I, you know, what I've observed, the books, I, like all these things, like there has, there's not ever been a time in human history where more people have more opportunity and access information. And like the fact that you carry around this little phone yeah. that has everything it's that's nuts. ever happened in recorded human history and that you can mm -hmm. find it with a simple Google search. Mm -hmm. It, that means you don't even need to go to college. Just listen to podcasts <laughs> and Audible. But, but I guarantee you, like oh, all I, these books, all something these to things, that. Honestly, no, I think there is. I think the next big thing that will be disrupted is college, right? Like yeah. these, mm -hmm. like the way people learn, like it's going to be disrupted. Of course, yeah. mm -hmm. these were the gatekeepers to information for the longest time, but like that's been broken the fuck open, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it, it doesn't Especially exist that way anymore. Now, mm -hmm. it's like kids aren't even in school. Yeah. Well, I think they're for, in front of their computers. The thing for me, college to me is like the best networking experience. Like we met in college. Like I'm so happy I went to college. Otherwise, we, we wouldn't have had Juntron. But I think there could be a more efficient way to recreate that same networking experience for kids that want to start businesses together instead of going to college. Just like make that a three-month thing. I, I don't know what it is, but... Yeah. If somebody told me, Michael, for the next 30 years, you have to stay in a... You, you get to be on the board of a traditional... Let's call it Harvard, whatever, Stanford. Mm -hmm. You have to but you have to run that company to success for the next 30 years. I'd be like, oh, fuck. Like that, That's not going to happen. Like The way that we interact and the way that we learn and the way that we engage in, in education, like I'm mm -hmm. not confident 30, Michael 20, 30 years will be that way. Michael got a PhD in vaginas at school. <laughs> <laughs> That was important. I had to. I had to do some. No, but you get what I'm saying. Like I can't imagine that that would be like right. If I if I told you guys, yeah. Listen, it was not quite a PhD, but it, I did all right. And don't mean to brag when he married me. <laughs> but, but you know, but, but don't you agree? Like the the way that I mean, my especially, vagina tastes like a blood orange mint. <laughs> yeah, you take care of it. Listen. Actually, I want to do. I do want to say something. Did you know that pineapple makes you taste good down there? This should be the next campaign. You, yeah. you and Rick Wu, Ross, I, you and Wu should should team up. Okay, mm. this is my idea. Okay, Wu is our lube company. Okay. okay, you guys should team up and talk about how pineapple is good for your vagina health and penis health. Wow. It makes you taste good. So all you have to do is use some Wu for coconut oil lube, mm -hmm. and then drink a June Shine pineapple orange. Listen, what people it's, it's, it's actually a good coconut. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. talk about it after. Yeah, I like it. Okay, okay, everyone, before we go, Taylor, turn your mic on because you're included. I would love for everyone to say their favorite flavor of June Shine. I'm well, going to start with Michael. Well, shit, no, I had, what have I had? I had the blood orange. I've had the strawberry. Let me let me try the, I got the blueberry here in front of me. I'm going to crack this yeah. one open. This okay. is our best seller, too, the, the midnight. Right. Yeah, you got to try the midnight one, too. Mm. What are you going with? Well, so far, the, the blood orange mint's the best, but maybe because I like more calories. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Possible. You guys tell us your favorite Wait, flavors. Here. This is the you, most you can't be like yeah. they're all my favorite. You have to pick no, one I'll gun to a, your head. I'll take a stand. Yeah, okay. I'll take, a, take stand. a stand. Blood orange is no, I think blood orange still might be my my, my jam. Blood yeah. orange has been my favorite like all time. Okay. But grapefruit paloma, which we mm -hmm. just put out, is my new favorite. Where's the grapefruit so paloma? I'm not picking yeah. I'm not picking two, just to be clear. I'm just saying okay. it used to be blood okay. orange one. Okay. Now it's grapefruit paloma. Yeah. I'm going with an OG midnight painkiller. It's like a tropical tiki cocktail. Okay. This one's good. I think that. Of course, the, your mic's not on. What are you doing? <laughs> I literally, I, has your mic ever been on in the history of the show? On my, favorite, my favorite. The black one's your favorite. Okay, my favorite, one hundred percent, used to be the blood orange mint, but mm -hmm. today I love the blood orange mint. Let me try that one before I. But I, the grapefruit Paloma is Paloma. damn good. I also think it's just like fitting with my Instagram feed. So maybe I'm like, it's just not, <laughs> I'm just loving it because of that too. But you guys, I think our audience will like the best, the blood orange mint, the grapefruit Paloma, or I'm going to say the strawberry watermelon mm -hmm. because it's a hundred calories. Mm -hmm. 
and one gram of sugar. Can we do a giveaway or can you not yeah, send yeah. this anywhere? We can do yeah, a giveaway? Can. Yeah. Oh, can we do a code too? Yeah, yeah. We, we sell online in 45 states now. Amazing. Yeah, we can do a Okay. Code, code. A code skinny, right? Yeah. Let's do code skinny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Code skinny for 20% off. Yep. And then let's do a giveaway. All you guys have to do is follow at juneshine.co on Instagram. And then tell us your favorite part of this episode on my Instagram at Lauren Bostick. And we will send you a bunch of goodies, some merch, and also the varietal packs, which come with all of our favorites. Okay. All right. Where can we find you guys and the brand? Yeah. So we just opened a, our official flagship location in Santa Monica. So if you're in LA, come by. It's on Main Street. And then you can find us in stores in 30 states. We just launched Variety Packs in Trader Joe's, Costco, and Target in LA and San Diego, soon to be nationwide. Ralph's, Vaughn's, Whole Foods, Sprouts. Yeah, we're, we're in Whole Foods in 30 states. So Whole Foods is the best chance if you're across the country. Well, listen, you young men. Um, you know, we've At done, juneshine.co on Instagram. Yes. We've done a couple mm -hmm. of these couple of these shows. And sometimes you meet some people that are inevitable forces. I think that's you too. Congratulations yeah. on all the success. Thank you. It's not going to stop. I've been, Thank you. Come, don't forget about us little people when you, when you make it to the big, <laughs> big leagues. I do have to say too, the buzz is great. It's really light. It's refreshing. It doesn't feel it's heavy. Mellow. It, mm -hmm. It's mellow. It doesn't feel like you're going to be hungover. I'm a huge fan of your brand. Come back anytime. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Do you want to win a gift card for June Shine? You know you want to try the blood orange mint. All you have to do is tell us your favorite part of this episode on my latest Instagram at Lauren Bostick and make sure you've rated and reviewed the show. If the show has brought you any kind of value, we really appreciate it. It takes five seconds and it helps us to grow the community. And with that, we will be back soon with a fire episode. It's one of my favorite episodes that is coming out next. So stay tuned.